special to my heart. And every time, it, it just breaks me. Because I think about how the times whenever I didn't have anybody else, I had Jesus. And how he's good, been so good to me every moment of my life. Whenever the bottom has fallen, it fell out of it. And I had friends walk away from me. I had people betray me. I had all of those things happen in my life. The one that was supposed to love me the most in the whole world, other than Jesus, turned and walked away from me. And it was left, I was left just me and my Lord. And there are going to be those times whenever we are, that's all we're going to have in this life is just Jesus. And I will tell you that he will, he will, he'll hold you up. He'll hold you firm and he will get you through every fire you ever have to walk through. And when he does that, you're going to sing a little different. You're going to dance a little different. You're going to shout a little different. You may even walk a little different. You might walk with, that with, a, with something in your hip, you know? When you've been touched by the Lord, you start walking a little different. All right. So, so on to the word that he gave me to share. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Can everybody hear me on the camera? Everyone hear me okay? All right. All right. So all through history, the, the thing the Lord really put on my heart to share today is actually about some of the signs and stuff whenever he's coming back. Because he's coming back soon. How many know he's coming back soon? Right? He's coming back soon. So it's really, really imperative that we understand what the word says about his coming back. Now, I'm not going to get into Revelation. That's a whole other ball game, a whole other cup of tea, and that I'm going to leave to you to go on your own. But the Lord did give me some words to share with you today, so that's what I'm going to do. Okay, so all through history, like even from the beginning of, of time, it seems, everybody wants to know when Jesus is coming. For the, for the Jews, it's, they want to know when their Messiah is coming. There's scripture all over the place about the coming Messiah. For us as Christians, we know that the Messiah already came once, don't we? We know that he came once, that he took our sin to the cross, and now he's up in heaven with the Father, and he's coming back. So there's tons and tons and tons of scripture in the Bible, most of it coming from, like, from Isaiah and um, Jeremiah, if you've ever studied any of the end-time scriptures. But um, so... Everything that's been going on lately, like one of the things we've, from the beginning of time, it seems like we've always had, some of the signs have always been there, like wars and diseases, different things like that. Um, the Bible describes those things as birth pains. So kind of, like I was talking to my husband about earlier this week, I mean, if you look at it, we've kind of had some of the signs from clear back whenever. I mean, we've, there's always been wars, right? There's always been ever since the fall of man there's been diseases and afflictions and different things that's come upon the earth so there's some specific things in the bible though that will help point us to whenever the last days are and by the last days the bible refers to those times as being the time whenever the messiah comes back to the earth right okay so The state of the world the past couple years, it's kind of gotten people's attention because they're seeing more and more of those signs coming to fruition. Because it's not just, some of these things aren't affecting just one area. It's 
global. It's affecting the entire world. So it's kind of got Christians and Jews, believe it or not, because they're expecting their Messiah, because that's what the Bible tells them, that he's coming back. See, at, at the beginning, just to give you a little bit of background, um, the Jews, they have all of this prophecy, right? I was telling you about from Isaiah and from Jeremiah. So all along history, they are going through all of this persecution all through history. It's like this one little group of people, this one little area. In fact, I looked it up. The area that, that um, Israel is comprised of 85 miles wide and 290 miles long. It's like out in the middle of the desert. There's, it's all rocky. There's just, it's just this little place. But yet, from like the beginning of its existence, people have come against it because that's what prophecy says will happen, you see. But there's a lot of other things in prophecy, too, that talks about the coming Messiah. Talks about, um, about how the Messiah will be crucified. All, there's like, I forget how many, does anybody know how many exactly, how many prophecies there are about Jesus in the Bible off the top of your head? I mean, there's countless numbers. Scott, you probably know this. You know all the Bible stuff. Um, but I was always really surprised that they didn't recognize him whenever he came because there was not one prophecy that was off with him. Everything from him being pierced, from his, like all of it, all of it. I mean, you have to go back and you have to read it in Isaiah, but there's like a ton of it. And it, it it's specifically points to how Jesus came and how he died on the cross. But um, prophecy also talks about two specific events. And that is the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, the first time, we actually talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. Pastor Adam, had he was preaching about it whenever we, he was talking about um, Nehemiah, remember? Remember whenever no stone, no stone was left, it was crumbled on the ground, and, and Nehemiah was called back to, to re, rebuild Jerusalem? Do you remember that? Remember how we talked about that? Well, that was the first time that it was destroyed, and that happened around 720 B.C., Babylon. Babylon. Well... The second time Jerusalem was destroyed, because remember he came back, they rebuilt, they rebuilt, the, um, rebuilt the city. The second time it was destroyed was 70 AD by the Romans. And in this time, do you remember the first time that people were exiled and they were, they were taken off all, the, all these different places and scattered everywhere, right? And, and prophecy in Isaiah actually talks about that. It talks about how the people will be scattered all over the, all over the earth. Well, the second time, when it was destroyed by the Romans, the same thing happened. It was, they were exiled. They were taken all over the earth. So here's a really interesting prophecy, though, in Isaiah. If we go to Isaiah 11.1, 1, and I'm probably going to talk a lot of scripture today, mainly because it's more important that we hear what God has to say about this stuff rather than me. Because end time stuff, is there's a lot of it that's very symbolic. It's very difficult to follow sometimes, and it will lead you... One thing will lead you down a rabbit hole over here and another over here, as I've found whenever I've been preparing for this word. So if you can bring up Isaiah. Mostly, we're gonna, I'm going to be giving like some different scriptures, but I'm also going to be pretty heavy in um, Luke 21 if you want to get that ready in your Bible while, while we're getting this together. Um, so Isaiah 11, 11 says, And in that day... I'll just read it from this one because that way we're all on the same page. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again 
The second time, the second time, that's how we know it's not been destroyed once, it's been destroyed twice. The second time, to recover the remnant, remember we've been talking about remnant, God always, he always takes and he saves a group of people, of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathos, from Crush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from all from the islands of the sea. So this specific um, prophecy, it talks about the second time. So we know that there's going to be two times, and we know that, it's, again, it's, people are going to be scattered everywhere because the scripture's saying that he's going to bring them back, right? Okay. So a really interesting ha thing happened. Because I said, we've been dealing with wars, we've been dealing with afflictions, all that stuff. Well, something, something very interesting happened. Because back in, let me find it, around a little bit before 1948, something interesting happened. The Holocaust happened. Does everybody remember the Holocaust? That's where, like, Jews were persecuted, they were killed. All of those things happened. Well... You can bring up Isaiah 66, 8 for me. On May the 14th, 1948, the United Nations voted to separate the land into two states, one Arab, one Jewish. So on May the 14th, the specific day, May the 14th, 1948, Israel become a nation again. Now, what you have to understand, you remember the first time that we talked about that? Why is this significant? Remember the first time that we, we talked about what had happened? It was 70 AD. It's almost 2,000 years later. The, Israel never even existed. They were wiped off. They, were, they weren't a nation anymore. They were scattered all over the place. But yet, you have this scripture. Can you bring up that um, Isaiah 66, 8 for me? Isaiah, this is prophecy. He says in verse 8, actually it's 66, 8. It says, who hath heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. A nation born in a day. After 2,000 years of being nothing. Nothing. And then in a day, this scripture is fulfilled. That was a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. And as it, when I get a little bit more into things, you're going to see also um, later how that is, it's one of the last signs before Jesus comes back. So um, if you go with me to Luke 21, I don't I don't have Cindy bringing up because I'm just going to go over a few things. I'm going to briefly go over some of the stuff in Luke 21 because it really talks about, um, it deals a lot with, with type and shadowing. I don't know if you guys have ever heard, heard of type and shadowing, but basically what it is, is it's how the, you can see the Lord's character and how one story is symbolic of another. And you can see the way that the Lord does things by the way that he did something else in the past. Okay. So in this particular scripture, Jesus is in the, um, he's in the sanctuary, or in the temple, I'm sorry, and he's talking to some people. He, they're watching things go on. He's seeing 
you know, people giving as they're coming up and, and they're giving towards um, offerings and things like that. And then it says in verse 5, it said they start talking about the temple and they, they're looking around and they start noticing different things and different structures inside the temple, how beautiful it is. The stones are up there, all these different things that are going on. And all of a sudden, it's like Jesus turns into a different it's like in his mind, he starts thinking about the temple. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in one situation and it, like, it's almost like you have deja vu, like you start thinking about something else. That's kind of what happened. Look, it seems like that's what happens with Jesus here because they start asking him about the temple. He's looking around and not only is he thinking about the destruction of the temple the first time, he's thinking about the destruction of the temple again. So it says here, then some spoke, some spoke of the temple and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and, do, and donations. And Jesus said, these things which you see, the days will come which not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Okay, and then verse seven, so they asked him, Teacher, but when will these things be, and what sign will there be when these are about to take place? So here, they're probably talking about, you know, they know the destruction's coming, but this is how we know coming up how it isn't, how he's, he's referring to something else. He said, take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name saying, I am he. The time is drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilences, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up into the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on how you will answer. So I just want to stop there for a second. And um, I want to go back to verse 8 for a minute. Because here he's, he's referring back to the end times. And he's saying, take heed that you not be deceived. I, what I did whenever I was preparing this is I took, because the Gospels, they all, cro all kind of cross over each other because it's, they're basically the same stories. It's just told from different perspectives. So I tried to look and see things that were different that I could bring out. Um, but one of the things they all had in common was they all had this about many are going to come in my name saying I am he. So 1 Timothy 4 it refers to something called seducing spirits. And seducing spirits in the Bible, their whole purpose is to try to twist things and try to turn you away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's basically seducing spirits are what is what is at the root of false teachers and false prophets. Because how many know here our battle isn't against flesh and blood? So basically what they do is they, they twist the word and they try to make evil good and good evil. 
They try to twist things. And the devil, he's, he's really shysty, man. He, will, he, will take, he won't just give you flat-out lies, but he'll take the truth and he will twist it in such a way. I mean, isn't they, that what they did with Joseph? They, they threw him in the pit. Well, whenever when they took that cloak back, you know, they took it back with blood on it. That was deceptive. That was the devil right there. He tries to deceive us. He tries to twist things. You know, was, the fact was there was blood on his, on his jacket. And he, it was intended that the father think that he was dead. But I'm getting off on a rabbit trail here. But they, um, the bottom line is that these seducing spirits, they will twist and they will manipulate the word of God. The Bible tells us that we are to test the spirits. Isn't that what it says? To test the spirits. So if we know towards the end of days that it's going to be promised. I mean, this is in every gospel, every, every book of the gospel I could find. That one of the things that we have to watch for as believers is we have to watch out for these false prophets. You have to know your word. You cannot just, we can't, we can't be lazy right now, church. We can't be lazy in this time. We have to get in our word. We have to meditate on it. We have to know it. Because we got to know the real from the fake. We got to know if there's, the, if there's any part of that scripture that doesn't line up. Because the, the Bible will never contradict itself. So if you're seeing it contradicted somewhere else, then you are getting it wrong. Then you need to go back and you need to say, okay, something's not right here. Maybe I need to go back. There's, there's um, resources out there. There's things like Strong's. I, I've been using a lot of Bible Hub lately because it has a lot of resources in there that have, along with the scripture, there's places you can do commentaries and Strong's and things like that. But I mean, we got to have hard copies too because we don't know when, when the bottom's going to fall out of even our electronic Bibles or things could get twisted. So you hang on to your word. Okay. One thing that I did notice whenever I was putting this together is that um, when I went back to the Strong's, the different versions sometimes will take you in a different direction with words. Um, what I mean by Strong's for people who don't know is sometimes if, if, you're, if, if you don't really understand what a scripture says, I've been taught two things. We either go to the Strong's, which is like they have Greek and Hebrew versions, and that will tell you because um, sometimes in our interpretation, things get misaligned because in, in our in the English language we have one word for love in the Hebrew language there's like five words for love right agape love you know that's unconditional phileo love city Philadelphia that's brotherly love so sometimes we got to go back to really see what the intention of the scripture is so the bottom line is, is if you if you're getting some stuff twisted go back try to investigate it further we've got to know real from the fake Okay, uh, another thing that um, the Lord really put on my on my mind about these seducing spirits is in the last days, like all of hell is going to be coming against us. Every spirit available is going to be here. Antichrist spirits going to be here. These seducing spirits are going to be here. Um, they work together a lot of times in the in the kingdom of God. You don't usually just see one spirit. Where you see one, you see many. So you're going to have lying spirits. You're going to have all of these things, and we got to learn how to battle this stuff. You know. We, we have to learn. So with seducing spirits, what do is, what is seducing spirits do? Think about it in your mind. If we know there's going to be seducing spirits in the last days, what do they do? They pull you away. They pull anything right now that will pull you away from, from Jesus Christ. You have, to, you have to stay away from it. You have to be aware of what the enemy's schemes are and how he will come against you, especially in the last days. We're going to have all in the kitchen sink thrown at us. Okay? But we are going to have victory. So, all right. Um, let me see here. Where am I at? All right, it says here, um, 
It says you will be built before kings and rulers for my namesake, but it will turn out as an occasion for testimony. Settle it in your hearts not to meditate before on how you're answered or how you were answered because he's going to give us the words to speak. So there may be a time coming. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of um, discussion in the church about the rapture of the church when Jesus is coming back for his people, which he will be doing that. Um, but there's... There, where, where we get crossed up is we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know if it's going to be in the beginning of the, what they call the tribulation period of the time of trouble in the middle or at the end of it. And I don't think we're supposed to know those things. We're just supposed to be ready, right? So I don't want to get too hung up in that kind of stuff. You have to seek God for yourself on these things. But the important thing is, is that we know what to look for, that we're ready to persevere whenever we come under some of this endurance, if we have to come under some of this endurance. I, Jesus could take me tomorrow and I'm ready to go, but I want to be ready. I want to know what his book says about his warnings to me because that, that is, that's, that's what we have. That's the promises and everything that we have, and he wants to prepare us. I can stand through anything. I can go through any fire if I know what's coming. If I know at the end of that fire that I'm going to be still be standing. I can, I can make it through, and I can hang on. And that's why he gave us some of the books that he gave us, like Revelation. So we know what's going to happen, but we can persevere through the end because we know we're going to have victory. Okay, so if, you're taken, if you end up being taken before um, to prison, don't even worry about what you're going to say. Just focus on Jesus, just like Stephen did whenever they were getting ready to stone him. They, they couldn't even... He said truths to them that they, they couldn't combat, and it made him so angry that they stoned him to death. But he's still, he's still alive. He's still alive. Hallelujah. It also says in verse 17 that you will be hated for, for my name's sake. It's some scary stuff, huh? We're going to be hated. You know what? I've really seen a difference in the, in the last couple years. Because there's been so much manipulation, I think, just, it's all demonic, but they try to swing one side to the other with all of this political stuff, you know, just to, but you're only given certain amount of information on both sides. And what it does is it makes you angry because you can't understand why the other side's not seeing things the way you're seeing it, but they're not seeing what you're seeing. That's intentional. We're supposed to. To do that, because a divided nation cannot stand. We're supposed to hate. They're teaching us to be like mob mentality, which is, that's from the devil, right? So the fact that we're going to be hated by all, that would be very easy. I mean, just think about it. All they would have to do would be outlaw the Bible, say it's a hate book. Are we just going to hand it over? What if they hate you? What if they take you out in the street? If they take you to prison? What if they beat you and do the things that they did? Because those things may happen. I don't know. The Bible says that, that we're going to be hated and we're going to be persecuted and we're going to be imprisoned. You've got to prepare yourself. You've got to prepare your spirit for that. Just a real, 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 real quick story. I promise I'll make it as quick as I can. But... I'm hoping that maybe this might, might help somebody. Um, so whenever I was, oh gosh, I was in grade school. I went over and my brother and I used to play in a field across the street from where we lived. 
I never intend to share this, but uh, I think there's something here for somebody if, if you're feeling afraid about this stuff. Well, my brother decided he was going to play homeroom derby, home run derby that day with a baseball. And me and our friends and my brother were over there. And so he said, well, scoot up really close to me and pitch it to me so I, underhand so I can hit it. I can hit it as far as I can. And so I did that. And whenever I, I did it, I was standing so close to him, and he line-drived to me in the face. I was probably from me to Scott away from him, and my brother hits hard. Well, I remember the ball coming at me. I blacked out whenever I started feeling pressure. I never felt any pain. I felt pressure, and then I blacked out. And whenever I came back to, I was, there, I was, there was blood everywhere. And he was freaking out whenever I got my mom and all of that. Well, I told you that little story to tell you this. That happened whenever I was a kid. Well, one day I was, every once in a while, the Lord will give me a dream. I don't get many of them, but every once in a while I'll get one. And in this dream, I was in this room. And um, it was like, almost, like a little, almost like a little closet room. And, and, and I, was, I was facing this way. There was somebody behind me. I don't know who it was. When I looked up, to my left, there was a man standing there in a black outfit. And I, I remember in my dream, I didn't know. He never said anything to me. But he just looked at me, and I looked at him, and I knew that I was about to die. And I woke up. Oh, no, no, no. I looked at him, he looked at me, and I was about to die. And the Lord said to me in my dream, he said, I will protect you now like I protected you then. And it gave me such comfort. I mean, I hadn't thought about that story. I'm an adult now. I'm like 50, get ready to turn 54 years old. But <laughs> that's a long time ago, and I hadn't thought about that story ever. But I know in my heart that if I'm ever standing in a place where I'm about to die, that I'm never going to feel a thing, that the Lord will protect me. And when I wake up, I'm going to be with him in glory. So don't you be afraid of no man or nothing because God has his people um, okay so to get on to on to um, some more of the word here I gotta be out here by noon right okay so verse 20 starts talking about the destruction of Jerusalem but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies then you know that that desolation is near well Skipping down to verse 24, it says, Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Uh, I looked that up, what the time of the Gentiles and how that is to be fulfilled. And most of the commentators, they can agree that it means the punishment of Israel and the, and the desolation to Jerusalem were to have a limit. There was to be a time, a limit whenever they would be continually going through this persecution. And then one day there would be restoration to both. So that's what the times of the Gentiles mean. So um, right after that, Jesus goes into, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of all nations with perplexity, the sea, the raves warring. Like literally the earth is going to start crying out. Isn't that cool? It says in the Bible that if we don't praise him, even the rocks will cry out. The earth is going to go crazy. Everything is going to be, it's just, it's going to be maddening. I don't know what's going to happen with the sun and the moon. I don't know if that, things are going to, stars are going to fall from the sky, all of these things. 
It says, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now all these things begin to happen. Look up, lift your heads. So when you start seeing all these signs, we're supposed to lift up our heads and look because your redemption draws near. Verse 29, then he smote, spoke to them a parable. Jesus said, look at the fig tree. Now this looks really bizarre, doesn't it? Because when I think of, when I think of um, Israel, I always think about olives, but in the Bible, there's at least a couple places that Israel is referred to as the fig tree. So the, Jesus is telling you, look at the fig tree. Everything that's going on, we have to watch Israel. Because a lot of these signs will happen all over the world, but certain signs will only happen in Israel. And that's what the, that's what the fig tree refers to. So those, those are the specific things that you are to watch for. Now, whenever I looked in, um, I looked in one of the other Gospels, in Mark 13, 14, there was one of the differences there was that they talked about, um, can you pull that up for me? Okay. This is another one of the signs that has to do with Israel itself. It says, and when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, then let that be in Judea flee to the mountains. So this scripture is where it, it's in the Bible that this is whenever we will know who the Antichrist is because he will stand in the temple. This is after the, temp the temple is restored again. We will see him standing in the temple and he will, he will desolate the temple and then you're, everybody's going to know. At that point, things are going to get you know, pretty ugly, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, that the, you know, the church is called out at that point, but I don't know. Or at least at that moment, maybe we'll be called up. Um, so if we look at... Luke 17. Here's some other things that I found that were different in Scripture because it's one of the parallel, parallel versions. Verse 26 says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So, you can look at that as being like, they're not expecting anything. This is mainly, you know, directed towards what's going to be going on in the earth that is unbelievers. Because in the days of Noah, right, Noah, he was focused on the Lord. He was building the ark. He was getting ready to be, so that he could be redeemed. But the rest of the world was going on like there was nothing happening. I don't know if you've had any conversations with unbelievers lately, but... Like, they don't like what's going on in the world, but they're not thinking about Jesus coming back. They're not really, all of this is just becoming normal to, to most people. They're unmoved by it. They're not worried about tomorrow. Most young people, they don't, they don't even think about death or dying or what's going on. You know, we have to teach our young people, but they're not concerned about it. They're like them. They're, they're doing their thing. They're going to work. They're doing what, and we have to do those things. But we, we have the Bible to look at these examples of what we need to be doing in anticipation of, of God coming back. We need to be seeking God on for what we can do, what we can do, what he's calling us to do. Like he had called Noah to build that ark. 
so that the world could be restored at the end of it, end of all of the flood and everything. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention about this, if whenever I looked up, when Jesus was talking to the people here about all these end times, in verse 20, he said, now when he was asked by the Pharisees what the kingdom of God would come, or when the, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them saying, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here, see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. But he says something different to the disciples. To the disciples, he takes them. We get, we get, we get the mysteries, the secrets. He didn't tell that to the Pharisees. He just thought, kingdom of God's within you. But to the disciples, that's where he came and he told them. And that's where he, and he said to the disciples, the days will come. And that's where he starts in about all of the signs that are to come. So he wants us to know something specific about how to deal with this. Okay? Um, it also referred to a time of, of, with Noah, other things real quick that, um, I notice it says great wickedness, corrupt earth. We, all, we know those things. It says also during that time it was filled with violence. Um, I'm going to try to skip ahead. I don't know what time we're at. but In Lot, it talks about different perversions that were there. Now, we get really hung up sometimes on the homosexuality thing. And um, indeed, the Bible is very specific about what it has to say about hom homosexuality. And I'm not going down that rabbit trail either. But, I mean, it's very clear where he stands on those things. Where um, I think the distinction in this scripture is that it's, it's talking about perversions. Like, a lot of perversions were going on at that time. If, if you look back at the story of Lot, what you see whenever the angels of the Lord went there, the, the men, it says both young and old, they were so angry that they came to Lot's house and they were beating on the door. And so often people get, they get so hung up on that, um, that you know, we want to have sex with them. But here's what makes me think that it's about more than just homosexuality. He, Lot offered the daughters. If it was just everybody running around doing that and that was the only perversion there, why would he offer his daughters? They wouldn't even be interested in the daughters. But there was more. It, was, it wasn't about that. It was about them being mad. In fact, they said, these men are going to come here, these outsiders, and they're going to judge us. There was violence. They wanted, they wanted to, it was, they were trying to be violent with them and make them pay. So in the end times, the world is going to be violent. You know, what have we seen lately? What is all this? It's definite to me that the Antichrist is, is here and he is on the move. Um, let me see here. Just a couple other scriptures from about what was going on in Noah's day. And Ezekiel 16, 49, 50. I tried to pick out just a couple things that were different than what the actual story said because the Bible talks about some of this stuff all over the place. It says, Behold, was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She had put her daughters and put pride... This is really important. Let's talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. She put her pride, excess food, prosperities, but they did not help the poor. They were haughty. They were proud, boastful people. It says, so I removed them when I saw it. So 
just to make you aware that there are other things that are about some of these cities that, were, that was detestable to God, other than the, the obvious things. We got to look around this world. Are we seeing these things? Some of them have been present all throughout history. Some of them are now. In 2 Peter 2, 7, 8, it says, If he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed over the depravity and conduct of the lawless, he was tormented in his soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. It's so grievous sometimes, and all the things that are going on around us, where the things we thought were so good now are may look so bad. And there's a time whenever... The criminals are being held up higher standards than the ones that are doing right. The lawless one. The Bible refers to the devil as being the lawless one. We can't really do anything really about the things that are to come because that's prophecy. It's prophecy. It's going to happen. Those things are going to be fulfilled, and, they sh- and they're supposed to be re- fulfilled. Some of the things that we don't know, we don't know when. We don't know the time, we don't know the hour. But we do know the character of God. We know that in in all of those cities and all of those situations we talked about today, whether it's Sodom, Gomorrah, Lot, all of those things, that he saved his people. And that is the one thing that we can hang on to, is the fact that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back for us. In the Bible, Jesus leaves his disciples with one, one thing, and he talks to them. You can bring up that last scripture for me, and I'll close with this. In Matthew. Matthew, I think it's 28. I want to encourage you. Um, in scripture, Jesus always also tells his, his disciples to um, watch and pray that you don't fall into into temptation. That's very, very important. It's something he tells us to do. Um, whenever, when I looked up the, the word watch, it said don't fall asleep. Spiritually, we cannot fall asleep. And how do we fall asleep? We've in, in, in spiritual slumber. He's talking about um, spiritual slumber. And we fall asleep because we get overwhelmed, we get weary, we can't allow ourselves to get in that place. So we have to watch and we have to pray. Just like Jesus said when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He had his disciples watch and pray lest they fall into temptation. What, the ten- what temptation? Again, that's probably a type and shadow. We're called. He's away right now with the Father, just like he was in the Garden. And we're called to watch and pray. One of the last things he said is he gave us the great commission. Whenever Jesus was on earth, he was talking to his disciples. And he said, go into all nations and teach and baptize. We have lots of gifts in this room. And you're accountable to use them. You're accountable to God to use them. So I want you to start praying. Start praying about not only about Jesus returning and preparing yourself, preparing your families for him coming back, 
but be about God's business. Be about his kingdom because time is short. And I want to stand before the Father. I want to stand before him. And I want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Brandon, you going to come play? So I'm going to ask Don and Deanna to come up with me. With, if, if you need to, I don't even know what time it is. If you need to go, you, you feel free to go. But I, I don't want to close this service without um, giving you an opportunity to be able to come to the altar and seek God. If there's a certain place that he's really, he's really probing your heart in this about, maybe you've been dealing with some fear, some anxiety about some things that are coming. Maybe you just, you want to know, how can I be about your kingdom, God? What is it inside of me that you've placed in me that I can give to you? What can I give to you, God? He's given so much for us.